Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you give. Amen. As you give. As you're giving, I want you to, to notice something. I'm going to put somebody in the spot. Um, I don't know if you heard, but we're starting a faith-based rehab. Amen. A 90-day, three-phase rehabilitation program um, in that room right there. Amen. And um, we, we had a little trial, a trial, because, you know, we, we never had a, a rehab yet. And so we, I found somebody who was uh, dope sick, amen, and twisted on one of my, what you call vacations. You guys call them vacations. I call them unending work, all right? And, uh, I want, we, and we flew Dar in. I spoke to Dar and his family, and Dar came in and for la- over 90 days now, right? Dar, you got over 90 days clean now? Why don't you stand up, Dar, amen? We stand up, Dar, amen? Dar, praise the Lord, amen? And, um, and isn't it crazy? I was kind of nice to Dar. We flew him in. I let him stay in my office with Raymond. Raymond was over. Pastor Gus oversaw the whole process. And then yesterday, this, this is how he repays me. He wasn't there. You, you didn't have my back. Yesterday, we let him play softball with us. You know, he's a surfer kid from California probably, you know. And he hits a ball over my head and makes me fall in front of everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's how he repays me, you know what I mean? When, and so uh, we'll, we'll be starting a, a, a rehab, so be praying about that. God is able, we're not a rich church. You guys know that, you know, we give out of the, a lot of us give sacrificially here. And God has been able to stretch our giving far and beyond what we can ever imagine. Amen. So I want to thank you for your giving. Why don't you give the Lord an applause for such a wonderful congregation. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um. I'm, I wasn't here Saturday. Who was here Saturday? Raise your hand if you was here Saturday and Sunday last week. Saturday and Sunday last week. Raise your hand, Pastor Dr. James Davis. Amen. Were you blessed by him? Amen. Was, praise the Lord. How many got his books? Anybody get his books? Amen. Got his books. I didn't get a book. Nobody remind, Nobody thought about me. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. Um, we, was, we were just so blessed to have him here. And um, we want to do that. With other people as well. We want to bring people in that, that God has used all over the world to speak into our lives, to speak into your life. Amen. And um, so we're just blessed that we had them. I had a bunch of guys give above and beyond. People pledged on a download, no, no recognition. They gave $100 each. Some people gave more than that so we could have a mini. It cost a couple of thousand dollars to get somebody to come and preach. And that's, and that's a, the family offering. Amen. Guys like that get paid twenty, thirty, fifteen thousand dollars to come preach in different places. Amen. We got them on the family rate. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know we ain't got fifteen thousand dollars to give somebody to come preach. Amen. And so, um, but I hope you was blessed. And the reason, one of the reasons why we brought them in, one of the reasons I had the conference, because we want to be a great commission, kingdom-minded church. You know, a lot of Christians suffer because they're so self-consumed. They're so self-obsessed. It's still about me, 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 and they haven't got the vision yet. Amen. And I, I wasn't here Saturday, so maybe I'm going to share with you some of what I would have shared on Saturday. Amen. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, here am I, send me. So um, I'm going to get into it. Once you stand to your feet so we can read the word of God. Amen. I'm going to read all the verses. We are going to read verse 8. Amen. I'm going to read all the verses. When it comes to verse 8, you guys join in with me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6 says this, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were Sephirim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the sephirim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. May God bless the reading of the word. This is God's word. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are called to be a great commissioned church. We are called to make disciples of all nations, all people groups, amen, all, all different places, all different language. This church stands for the people who battle and have been ravaged by addiction specifically. This is the Recovery House of Worship in Brooklyn, and we are unapologetically, uh, unembarrassed, we're waving our flag that we are the Recovery House of Worship. We are standing in the gap for people who are still using uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex. addiction has many faces. I meet a lot of people that are addicted and they don't know they're addicted. Amen? They say, I never used drugs. He's been using drugs for 30 years. I said, man, you've been addicted for him for 30 years? You know? So, and we got people, and there's people who are addicted to religion. They know all about rules and regulations. They know the Bible well. What they don't know is God. Amen. So this is this is recovery house of worship. We stand in the gap. We we reaching the still using addict, the recovering addict, their families and their friends. And if you look at it how I see it, nobody's left out. Because everybody got a friend or a family member who's been touched by this thing called addiction. And to make it more biblical, in Genesis chapter three, we all got the curse. We all got the flesh, and so everybody battles with the flesh. And just real quick training, the flesh. Is a biblical term for what the secular people call addiction. All right? Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says that the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh. The true are always at war, and so everybody has flesh. And um, so that's just a teaching moment right there. So what happens is we are a Great Commission church, but we want to reach the world. And as you guys know, we've been reaching the world. There's people from this church, been to Africa. There's people here who've been actually built... Uh, physical buildings in Dominican Republic. We, we've had people go to Haiti. Like we've, we're reaching. I just baptized someone last weekend in California at a convention in a swimming pool. Like, you know, we just said, listen, we just, this church is on the move. Now, we are reaching a specific, not one church can reach everybody. All right? Not one church. And we just, we just want to be faithful with the vision that God has given us. Amen? Okay. So we're going to get into in, in chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, right there, you know, there's something. 
I was telling Pastor Edwin that I understand why he preaches in series. If I could probably preach an eight-week series on this eight verses, all right? And so he says, in the year King Uzziah died. Now, you might not know this, but the King Uzziah was a king who served well. He was a king who, who, who led the people. He led the people well. For 52 years, he led them into peace and prosperity. He was a guy that God, that God was pleased with the way he served. When I look at King Uzziah, I think about Moses. And if you know the Bible, you know I'm going to teach you right now. Moses had to lead these ungrateful, backbiting, these, you know, these, these, these people that were just hard to lead. They were, they, they were always complaining. They didn't want him to lead. They wanted to kill him. Like it was just Moses had to lead a people that really were hard to lead. And at the end of the whole trip that Moses had to take, and there was a lot of them. Like, Pastor, this has got a couple of hundred here. He had, he had, there's a lot of them over there, right? So what happens was at the end of his journey, right before they go to the promised land, Moses strikes a rock when he wasn't supposed to strike a rock, right? It might not seem like no big deal to you. That's because maybe we lack reverence for God's presence and reverence for God's standards. But he struck a rock. He wasn't supposed to strike the rock. And as a result of that, after being faithful, after God using him, after God, Moses was like a prophet, after God, all that great stuff, Moses did not get to go to the promised land. He did not get to see it at that juncture, all right? So, of course, you know, everybody knows Joshua, right? He takes the people into it. All right, so now... I think about that. They think about King Isaiah, who served God 52 years. He's leading the people. He's, he's, he's the man. He's doing great. He's doing wonderful. And he didn't hit a rock, but he burns incense. And he wasn't commissioned to burn. He wasn't. God did not separate him to burn incense. God did not tell him. And listen, that might, it, it's incredible how Moses hit a rock he wasn't supposed to. King Isaiah burned incense. And, and it might not look like nothing big to you, but that's usually what people do who want to justify their sin. It says, what's the big deal? The big deal is that you're called to be a peculiar people, that the blood of the king of kings was shed for you, that you are called a peculiar people, that he is holy, so you're supposed to be holy. And the thing about it is that God calls you to do all this, and he says, don't worry, I know you can't do it in your own strength, in your own power. You press in with me, you plug into me. If you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. I'll give you the desire and the power to do my will if you seek me, if you press in with me, if, are you with me? So he calls us, he gives the desire and the power, but like, you know, we, many people want the God of their convenience, and they want to remove and lower God's standards to what's comfortable to them. And, and, you know, so one little thing, so when I think about Moses, I think King Uzziah, it's scary to me, because, yeah, it's not how you start this thing. Yeah, I've been, I've been I got to say, when I have four and five years clean, I say four and a half years clean, five, so I've been, I've been on an 18-year run. He was on a 52-year run. I haven't arrived. Neither have you. I think about a lot of people who've been clean for a long time and who, you know, and didn't make, they, they relapsed. A lot of people started. So none of us got this locked down. And we should have a, a reverence for God. And we should understand that God has standards for us to live by. And, and the other thing that I thought about when I was thinking about this is that King Uzziah, he was, he, God gave him a call. God gave him something to do. And God gave someone else a job to burn incense. And too many people are trying to do somebody else's job. And how King Uzziah paid a high price for doing something that he wasn't called to do. And I know a lot of people who are called to preach, a lot of people who are called to sing, a lot of people who are called to teach, a lot of people who are called to be missionaries, and they want to do what looks glorious or glamorous in somebody else's life, and they want to do what God called to do in their life. And you can miss the boat looking at what God's, how's using, how God is using someone else. Amen? And so here he is, King Uzziah, and, and I was thinking about this. I said, man, 
why would they put this in here? And, and that's one of the reasons. The other reason is, like, I can tell you while music was playing, I can tell you, you know, when I got clean, that was a significant time in my life. I remember everything. And so I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'm just telling you, you know, that <laughs> it's under the blood right now, praise the Lord. So anyway, so he says, I, he says that year, King Uzziah <coughs> died, and I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and his train of his robe filled the temple. Now, here's the other thing that's a problem, right? Too many people are coming to church, and I've been saying this, I've been trying to tell people, and they're not seeing the Lord. Too many people, the, the enemy, it comes to church and distracts us. The, listen, Satan comes to church. And, and in fact, Satan knows the Bible a lot better than most Christians. All right? And so the problem is that we got too many people that are coming to church. Right? They're coming to church and they're singing the songs and they're crying some of them and they're responding to the invitation and they're saying the prayer, but it doesn't seem like their lives represent someone who saw the Lord. All right? Anybody can say they're Christian. Anybody. And if you ever meet a Jehovah's Witness, they tell you they're Christian. You ever meet a Mormon, they tell you they're Christian. You ever, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christian, but what makes you a Christian? Right? What makes you, what does Christian mean? Christ-like. A follower of Christ. Right? And so if I'm a Christian, who am I supposed to be like? Christ. Not that deep, right? And if I'm not like Christ, you got to wonder. Right? Because you can't judge my heart. And that's my back. That's, that's, my, that's my trump card. No man can judge another man's heart. Papi, but I could judge your fruit. And you're supposed to be a mango tree. And you got kinepas coming out. Something ain't right. <laughs> some of you guys don't know what kinepas is. You keep coming back. One day we'll give you some kinepas after service. All right? So, so anyway, so we got a lot of people that come to church and they're not seeing the Lord. And, and listen, there's a lot of distractions. Some of us preachers, ministers, leaders, we got distra- coming in, we got distractions. You know, the car's making noise. The wife is making noise. The kids are making noise. The husband. Some of us, we got stuff going on. And we got to get to a place where no matter what's going on, because if you know what's happening here in Isaiah's time, the king just died. So they're a little bit frantic. He's going into the temple, right? Check it out, because his king just died. I don't know if you can get that. That's a little bit you can get deep. His king just died. Some people come to church because their king died, right? And I don't know what king you were serving, but we all serve different kings, right? And so I'm not going to get into that, but you know what I'm talking about, all right? And so his king died. He goes, he's fine. And here, isn't it beautiful that when your king dies, and let's say for me, it was king drugs or king woman or king, you know, lust. I served a king. There was something on the throne that I worshiped, that I served wholeheartedly. And when that died, when it stopped working, when it, when it turned on me, it was wonderful to run to the church and see King Jesus on his throne. That, that my king died, but King Jesus was always there. And then no matter times I went to my king and I tried to worship this dead king, the living king was always waiting for me. Are you with me? And so, so he's, he's frantic. He's, he's in turmoil. His king just died. And he goes into the temple, I don't know, looking for an answer, seeking, looking after God, and he finds him. Isn't it awesome that when you're frantic, when you're messed up, when you're tore up, when you need him, he's always there? It's awesome. Listen, I'm so grateful. I can never stop saying this, that I don't serve a God of a second chance. I serve a God of another chance, no matter how many chances I need. That's the God I serve. That he always has his arms open, no matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times I let something pull me away, no matter how many times, he's always there saying, come home, my beloved. 
And so if that's you, you fit that criteria, welcome home. Man might have a problem with unconditional love, but God has no problem with agape love. Amen? So he comes in and he sees this king. And listen, maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I got, he broke his anonymity to me when I had four and a half years clean. Right? Edwin was studying Buddhism. I, I was hanging out with a couple of Muslims. I like New Age. I was reading the Quran. You know, and, and God got a hold of our hearts, right? Maybe here, and you, me and Edwin had a lot of reasons why we'd never be Christians. We're never going to go to church. The church is crazy. Somebody said that religion is to control the masses. That sounded like a good justification. Somebody said, you know, the, you know, the Muslims said the Bible is not authentic, cannot be trusted. And, you know, people said different things. And when, you, when you're a dishonest skeptic, when you're looking to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, you'll grasp at straws to justify your sin and your lifestyle. And this is a sad truth. This is for free right here. This is good right here. You ready? Many times, people's morality will dictate their theology. What that means is how people live and what they choose to do, that's what they'll make the Bible say. They won't let the Bible speak for itself. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Praise the Lord. All right. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. So here's what it says. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Now here's the thing. Do you see the Lord seated on the throne? That's another problem. We got too many Christians that say, Jesus is my homeboy. That doesn't cut it, puppy. That's almost lacks reverence. Is Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Is he the risen Savior? Is he the word that became, are you with me? Right? Is, he, is, he the, is he word incarnate? Is, is he the God that died on the cross for you? Is he the God of the Bible? Is he the one who raised from the dead, who defeated death, who defeated sin, who broke the devil's back at Calvary? Is that the Lord that you see? There's a lot of Jesuses out there. Do you see the Jesus in the Bible? The one, when Isaiah saw him, he was on the throne. But when he looked at you and your sin, he left his throne. Do you see that Jesus? And so we need a people that see the, that they saw the Lord and they see the Lord on his throne. That he is the king of kings and that he is the Lord of lords. That no one comes to the Father. No one, listen, listen, no one is good. I get mad. People say, oh, what about a good, this, a good? No one of us is good. If you ever done some step work, you know that. And you don't know what step work is. Whenever you've, you've ever had an honest moment of your heart, well, you know that we're, we're twisted people. We're just twisted. We want what we want when we want it. We don't care what we got to do to get it. We block, you know, we're just twisted people. And listen, don't get all crazy. We, we I said we. Somebody say we. We. It's, you're speaking in tongues. We just spoke French. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right. You're going to get me throwing out this church. Hallelujah. All right. So we are twisted people. We have an enemy that lives inside of us. We got the flesh that wars against the spirit. We got the that James says that every man, I don't care how many scriptures you quote, I don't care where you got your degree from, I don't care how big your church is, every man is drawn away by his own lust. We all have a lust inside of us. It don't got to be sexual. It could be for power. It could be for control. It could, we all have a lust, and it pulls us away from the things of God. Amen? So he saw the Lord. Listen, if you're here, Jesus loves you. I don't know if you never saw the Lord. He loves you. I don't care what you did, abortions. I don't care about your back, background, your drug addiction, prison. I don't care if you killed someone. No, listen, God's love is crazy. People can't comprehend it. He loves you no matter what you've done. Listen, we know. Check it out. I know that you're worse than you're willing to admit. I know that. So imagine what he knows, right? I also know that you're loved beyond anything that you can imagine. 
that nothing that you have done nor can do can separate you from God's love. Powerful. In fact, you might have came here for a wedding. And God brought you to tell you that he loves you. That he cares about you. That he sees you. That he hasn't forgotten you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen? All right. So I will hope you see the Lord just after this afternoon before you go. So he saw the Lord seated on the, on the throne. In the training room for the temple. I'm not going to get into that. Above him were seraphims. My, my, and I said seraphs. Seraphims. Amen? Now, I have a whole thing. I was just like thinking about it, man. Think about this, right? He saw the Lord. Now, this is one problem with worship. And that's how you know somebody's be, really been in worship. I get a lot of guys, nobody here, nobody get nervous. But I was with some guys in California last week. And they got like, bro, like, oh, I'm a Christian. And they curse in the meetings. And they don't, you know, they go, oh, no, I can't go to meetings no more. Because they said, and I said, man, this guy has not been in the presence of the Lord. And they say, Pastor, why do you say that? It's true. They don't say Jesus in meetings. They don't say, I said, they're not supposed to say Jesus in meetings. They're, that's not a Christian meeting. Right? I, I tell them, and I, and I explained to them that we recover out of worship. When you go on missions trips, we go to Africa, even if you're lefty, if you're lefty and you're in, in Senegal with us, you cannot use your left hand to eat. You can't touch somebody with your left hand. Even if you're lefty, tie your hand behind your back and learn how to use your right hand because if you touch someone with your left hand, you're violating their traditions and they ask you to leave the, and you cannot no longer do ministry in that village. You can't violate their traditions. Somebody say traditions. So even if you're lefty, you go to Senegal with us, you can't use your left hand. God forbid you tell, we paid a lot of money to go over there. Now we're going to get thrown out because you, you, you want to be self-righteous because you lefty? No. Same thing in the rooms. They got traditions. We're ministering there. The love of God is going out. They're watching us. There's, you don't got to say his name. Live his word out. That's for somebody. Amen? So, so he goes out, right? And, and here's what happens. When you're in the, back to my original point, when you see guys all proud, they don't say that. When you're in the presence of God, let me tell you one of the things that happens. When you see God and his grace and his mercy and how awesome and how magnificent and how he made the bullet go a little bit to the left and how he touched the judge's heart and how he dropped that case and how he moved. I mean, when you see God like that and you, then you see yourself, how, how twisted you are, you're not arrogant and proud. You're humbled that God would call such a wretched man or woman like you, that he would die on a cross for something that you considered garbage at once in your life, that you even gave up on yourself and God did not give up on you. When everybody turned their back, God stood his ground. And so when you see God like that, you don't come out with it like, yeah, I'm a Christian and these people are going to hell. You come out, you come out, it's, it's, you come out, he saved me. If he saved a wretch like me, he can save you. He's, he brought me out of the crack house, he can bring you out. He touched my life, he can touch your life. And that's one of the evidence of worship, that when you're worshiping God, you're humbled. You see how wretched you are. I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how good you preach, Raymond. I don't care how much people like you wherever you go. God knows you when nobody's looking, and you know you when nobody's looking. Don't get all crazy. Don't get all nervous. Check it out. Check it out. He knows you, and he loves you. Now you can give a little clap offering for that, amen, because he knows you, and he loves you. So as a result of that, because we know that God loves us, and, we, and, and listen, here's how it works. Isaiah looked up to God. He saw God. Then he looked in. And it takes, listen, only a strong man can admit his weaknesses. You know, little, yeah, they can't, they can't admit, they act like there's nothing wrong with them. They never tempted. I, I don't like hanging out with Christians like that. I call them hyper-spiritual Christians, right? They're, you know, they're so earthly over there, they can't, they're not in touch with reality sometimes, right? 
And so I hang out and say, oh, I'm never tempted. I'm never tempted. I'm never tempted. You know, Jesus was tempted. Did you know that? Do you know that Jesus was tempted? The Lord God Almighty was tempted. How are you going to tell me you were? If Jesus was tempted, I know you, man, you get slapped every now and then. Don't play with me. Your knuckle game is not like that. You know. And so what happens is this, right? He looked in and he saw we all have an area of our lives that we fall through. Listen, there's something in our lives that, we, that something pulls at us that's not of God. Every one of us. It don't, we don't need a trigger. We don't, somebody, we don't need a commercial. There's something inside. Listen, you can sit down to pray and say, God, you're so good. You're so awesome. You're so magnificent. And some thought will try to pull you out. There's always something. Are you with me? Are you honest people? Amen. And so what happens is that we got this dis-ease within ourselves. We have this thing going on. And that's why we need to be spirit-filled believers. That's why we need to be spirit-filled. That's why we need to continue being filled. They didn't just say holy, holy, holy once. They kept saying holy, 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 holy. We need to continue to be filled. Okay, check it out. So now we look at it. He looked up. He looked in. He saw his wretchedness. He saw that he had unclean lips. Let me tell you something about unclean lips. There's no one who has unclean lips that doesn't have an unclean heart. Why do you say that? Whoa, why are you getting deep on me for? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the man shall speak. And if someone has unclean lips, it's just evidence that they have an unclean heart. And so when he says, my lips are unclean and my people's lips are unclean, he's saying, I know that our condition is wretched. I know that we are twisted. I know that we fall short. And here's the problem. He said, I'm ruined because his unholy, his sinful self was in the presence of the almighty, holy, and righteous God. Now check it out. God calls flawed people to himself. That's powerful. Listen, that I'm preaching the gospel is only the grace of God. That, that people call me pastor. You know, in New York, they, you know, prophet's not honoring his own home. So people got a problem. Oh, Pastor Raymond. All over the world, oh, that's Pastor Raymond. Pastor Raymond's going to preach. Pastor Raymond, Pastor Raymond. In New York, it's cool because we, we, we're slapping New York demons like no other demons that we're slapping. Amen? We're slapping African demons. We're slapping Dominican demons. We're slapping, you know, but we're, we're stomping on New York demons, all right? So I'm not mad. It's not personal. The bigger the, you know, the impact, the bigger the bullseye. It's not, I got it. I, they hated him. They're going to hate me. I'm with it. When God, when I tell you, you see me, you see, you know, people say, man, you're all over. I'm preaching the gospel. And if he could use somebody as wretched, as twisted. Listen, the, nobody would sit in the front row because I spit all over them. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Only my son, he has to stay there. Amen? <laughs> when, if God can use somebody as twisted as me, he can use you. And, and that's the whole thing. That God, he's saying, I'm ruined. I, my, my lips are unclean. The devil will always want to disqualify you and say, you're not good enough. There's this area of your life, and you can't make it and fix this first and get clean first and do this first. And how many know you're never going to address that area until you surrender to God? It's a trap. It's a trap. The only way you're going to get victory is if you say, here I am, send me. That's the only way until you say, here I am, God. You can have me. You can use me. I belong to you. You died on the cross for me. And my life is not my own. Send me, I'll go. Until you get to that point, you'll never know the victory that comes in the name of Jesus. You'll never know how to overcome sin like you can overcome sin. You'll never know how to fight for your family. Jesus is the only way. And surrendering to him. Can somebody say amen? amen? All right. Okay, praise the Lord. So here's what happens, right? So he looks up. He sees the glory of God. Then he looks within, and he says, I'm twisted, right? And we can say, welcome. He belongs in the recovery house of worship. We're all twisted here, all right? Now, now here's the good thing. Now, check it out. This is, this is where it gets powerful. 
You don't got to stay twisted. So many people believe the lie where I, I have an issue with anxiety. I have depression. I have this alcohol. I, whatever it is, we all got something. And it's easy to look at that person. I can't believe he does that. How do, why does he do that? Don't you know alcohol is a drug? What's wrong with alcohol? Yeah, forget what he's doing. How can you do what you're doing? Stop looking out the window and start looking in the mirror. What he's doing can have no effect on you. What you're doing can destroy your family. So we need to look inward. Someone say look inward. And so what happens? We look inward, and here's what happens. When, you're, when he confessed that, right, what happened? He confessed. You cannot change something till you confess it first. All right? You, you got to confront it. You got to confess it, and God will change it. You can't change it. All right? So here's what happened. He confesses it. My people unclean lips. I'm unclean. We're gonna, and what happens? He says, he sends one of the cherubim. He sends them with a coal. It says live. It's hot. It's on fire. He pulls it from the altar. Right? And he goes and he touches his lips. Now, for those who don't know, he's called, he's commissioned to be a prophet at that time, at that moment. He's called to go preach, he's called to be a prophet of God, tell the word. Okay. But what happens is this. When he touches his lips, he says, your guilt is removed. There's been atonement already. And here's what I thought about, and I didn't have time before, but I have time now. We need some cherubim here. We need messengers of God who carry the word of Jesus Christ to people's lives who have unclean lips and unclean lives to tell them, listen, there's a gospel that Jesus Christ loved you. He'll change your life. He died on the cross for you. Let him into your heart. Confess him with your mouth. Believe with your heart that he is Christ, that he rose from the dead, and you shall be saved. And we need more messengers to get up and stand up the same way some minister to you, the same way someone got a hold of your life. God wants to use you for his honor and his glory. He said, Pastor, I'm 80 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm too old. My knees hurt. Moses was 80. Don't give me no excuses. Moses was 80 years old. And he got used to, you say, well, I'm too young. I'm still in junior high school. That's, David was a teenager when God anointed him. You can't, you don't got to be old. You don't got to be young. All you got to do is be available. I tell all the guys that I deal with, God is not concerned with your ability. It's not your ability that's going to get it. It's not your ability that's going to make you. It's your availability that God can use and touch and work through you and change other people's lives. And we need more messengers. We got too many Christians that are just obese with the word. And they're not doing nothing with it. You hear the word. It goes from your head to your heart. And then it goes to your hands. You got to be able to live it out. And we need people to stand up. And he says, listen, well, send me. God, and this is wonderful because I think about Moses again. Moses was committed. God didn't give Moses the option. He gave him a miracle. And he sent them. And Moses said, can you send somebody else? Right? He said, can you send somebody else? Like, oh, you know, you give all these excuses. And that's a problem when people get caught up with themselves. Get caught up with God. I saw the Lord. See the Lord. See the Lord. And so Moses says, oh, can someone else send my brother? Send this, send that. In this scenario, in this case, God doesn't commission him. He asks, whom shall I send? He's, God is giving people an opportunity to volunteer to answer the call. God is saying, listen, man, if you're something missing in your life, if, you, if you're chasing money, if you're chasing property, if you're chasing a relationship, and it's coming up empty-handed, and all you need is more, then more, then more. I got something that satisfies. I got something that fulfills. I got something that doesn't run out. I can give you a well of living water that you'll never thirst again. All you got to do is surrender to me. Say, here I am, send me. And so he gives out the call. And listen, there's a call that goes out. When I preach, in Baptist churches all over the place, I, you know, I, I put on a suit, and I got to preach, and I got to stay behind here. I can't be sweat like that. I got to be cool, right? 
and I got to just preach from the holy desk. And then there's a thing that, because a lot of Christians, the people that know the Lord can manipulate a little bit. I say, well, I don't feel led. I don't feel led. I want to feel led. The Holy Spirit hasn't led me yet. So you know what I told them in the Baptist church over there? I said, please give me number two pencils. Give one to everybody. Now you have led. Go preach the gospel. What are you waiting for? What are you doing? We need to go and preach. The time is coming. Well, we need to preach now. And there's a lot of Christians that want, listen, you can't serve two masters and you can hide in the church teaching and lying. Listen, you, if God calls you something great, you need to respond to do something great. If God calls you to teach, then you need to teach. If God calls you to worship, then you need to worship. If God calls you to go to Africa, then you need to go to, you're going to be miserable in New York. If God calls you, he's going to bless you. Where God gives the vision, he also gives the provision. And a lot of Christians are twisted. Listen, good men, good women, like Uzziah and Moses, they just made a little left turn. And they're not, they don't express it for They're wondering, where's my blessing? Why hasn't God blessed me? Why? Look at Andrew. You know? Because you know that you didn't answer. You know that you're doing something you're not supposed to. You know that God called you to this and you're doing that. You know, we went to the leadership summit and we heard a powerful message called Shadow Mission. Man, shadow mission. And that basically shadow mission where God called Isaiah and Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Some other cat said, no, send some. Here I am, send Edwin. Here I am, send John. Here I am, send Rob. Here I am, send. And God's saying, thank you, Bobby. God is, God is saying, God is saying, I want to send you. And the reason why you haven't found fulfillment, because you've been going to church for 10 years, because you're not doing what I called you to do. You have, you're still spectating. You're not participating. Uh-oh. You're still mourning like, like he was. I want to turn you from a mourner to a missionary like I did him. You're still focused on self. I want you to focus on the Lord. And as you focus on the Lord, you're going to be able to serve other people. Are you with me? All right. I got a couple more things and I'm going to go. So he says, here I am, send me. Right? And, and I, I, if you think about the message, right, the message that he was sent, it wasn't like a great message. I, I'm not, I didn't get into all that. But he said, it's a great, he tells them, go, and I want you to preach. But I want them not to, I want them to have ears but not hear. I want them to have eyes but not, like he's telling them, I want you to go preach, but I'm not going to let them hear you. I'm, I'm going I'm to send you to go preach, but they're going to make fun of you. I want you to go preach, but they're going to mock you. I want you to go preach, but they're not going to respond. I want you to go preach. And he's saying, listen, I didn't call you to be successful. I called you to be faithful. I, call, I Don't worry about the results. I called you to preach. If they don't listen, preach. If they make fun of you, preach. If they don't want to hear you, preach. Wherever you go, preach. I called you to preach. How will they hear unless we preach? And God has called us. God is calling on people. And listen, you're too worried about yourself. And if you're going to mumble or you're going to stumble or you're going to fall, God is saying, I'm calling you to preach. Preach to the lost. They need to hear the message. It's a life-changing message. I told one guy, he says, I want to preach. Who do I preach to? I said, well, where are you at? Because I make meetings, right, you know. I said, well, who takes the burning desire? Minister to that guy after the meeting. God makes it very easy. He takes the burning desire. Go have, say, you want to have coffee? Let's have some coffee. Great. I heard what you had to share. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And, and are you with me? I'm going to shut it down. I'm not saying, because people get nervous. This is a true story. There was a guy, right? I'm not, made, I'm not saying his name, but he goes to, you know, one of the 12-step programs that I, uh, you know, that, I, that, that I frequent. And he said, listen, man, I'm dying. He said, I need Jesus. I've been trying to do everything, therapy, counseling, 12 steps, this, that. I've, been, I've done it all, he said. I have a lot of information, but there's, some, there's a divorce between my head and my heart. He said, I have information, but there's no transformation, right? 
And I, and I said, listen, man, you, you don't have an information problem. You have a God problem. You need God can remove that, that blockage. And God can break you. And that information that's in your head can go to your heart. And God can perform a spiritual surgery. And there'll be a whole transformation that can take place, right? And he said, man, I, I really, really want to be a Christian. Check out what he said. I really, I see the Christians. I see them in recovery, the ones that stay. A lot of them go. But the ones that I see them, he says, man, they look like they're doing it. They, you know, they're like everybody else, but they're moving forward. They got, they got something. He says, but my uncle, my uncle went to this church, and he gave his life to the Lord. That's what he said. And after three years, he went to Japan to be a missionary. He said this, I don't want to go to Japan. That's what he said. He said, I don't want to go to Japan. I like it here. Some people have a picture in their mind of what they think God is going to do. To God's going to kill me, going to ruin this, going to take my Nintendo, whatever. I know there's no more Nintendo, you know. We had Nintendo. That's me, that's me and Edwin days, you know. Whatever, PlayStation, you're going to take my, you're going to take all my whole movie collection. You're going to take my, you know, I can't watch UFC no more, you know. I didn't, no, you can watch UFC. Come to my house, amen. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. But, but here's the problem. The devil gives people a Bible study and says, if you accept the Lord, this is what you're going to lose. This is what you're going to. And, and the, devil, the devil says, listen, you're going to lose this little thimble full of stuff. He doesn't show you the ocean of stuff you're going to get. You see what I'm saying? He says, you're going to lose this. And check it out. Most people don't understand. The stuff that, that you're going to lose is the stuff that's killing you already. <laughs> it's not like it's working. It's like, you know, you're twisted. You're bugged out. You're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. God wants to take it out of your life. Right? He says, you're going to. So, all right. So, as we go, as we go, listen, I, I, I want to yell. I want to scream. I want to run around. But I don't want this to be emotional. God has a plan and a purpose for you, beloved. I, I promise you, I, I've, been, I've been doing this for, for, I don't know, like I said, 14 and a half years, 18, 18 years, 18 and a half years. I've seen so many people make weird left turns. I've seen so many people, you know, get caught up on other people doing. One of the biggest problems that people have is Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. So many people come to church and look at everybody else. So many people look at, oh, look at that guy. Look at, you know, they, I, I told one guy, this guy's suicidal. He just relapsed after 18 years. He's twisted, wants to kill himself. I said, I went to, he said, I went to church, but this guy was doing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I don't want to go back. I said, who cares what somebody else is doing? I said, let them worship. Let them live the way they, you need to, you need the Lord. I, I, I told the guy, I told the guy, you need to say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You know what I mean? You all, you, you're lucky you didn't die in your relapse. You're lucky that you're not in much of a you lucky. You get to, you need to say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not saying, you know, don't drive past that doing crazy here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I'm just. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that we need to focus on the Lord. We need to learn how to live and let live even in the church. So many people focus on what other, all right. So we're going to do a couple of things right now. We're going to transition, right? Um. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you, man. I don't care if you curse his name. I don't care if you denied him. I don't care what you story. Jesus Christ loves you. And the evidence, forget science, forget archaeology, forget Pastor Edwin, Pastor Gus can tell you about the dinosaurs, the, the, you know, the sun, how far it is from the moon, and all the, they can tell you there's, there's, there's scientific evidence, there's archaeological evidence, there's historic evidence. You know, forget all that. Let me show you the evidence that you need to take a look at, that you're here listening to this message, that God brought you here. 
and he wants to use your life. He wants to transform you. He wants to bless you like you've never been blessed before. All you got to do is say, here am I. That's all you got to do. Here am I. And when you say, send me, send me to the leadership summit. Send me to the food pantry to volunteer. Send me to the spiritual. You don't got to go to Africa right now. Nobody got to go to Africa yet, all right? All right? But just learn the basics. Sign up to Christian education. Sign, volunteer for them. Do something here. Be faithful in the little, and God will bless you with the much. Amen? All right, we're going to close it down. Uh, bow your heads with me. I want to pray with you, and we're going to transition. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much, oh God. We are people here, me with the microphone and us here. We are people with unclean lips, oh God. And many of us here have already experienced you touching our lives with the gospel, with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. But maybe there's some here that never tasted how good you are, who've never seen how awesome you are, who don't know how much you love us, oh God. And Lord, I pray right now that you would move in their hearts, that they would understand right now in the spiritual realm that you invited them here for a purpose and a plan. So I pray for those who don't know you first, oh God. I pray for those who don't know that you died on a cross for them. Some cynical person has misinformed them. Some very painful trauma has diverted them. But I pray today you bring them home first and foremost to the foot of the cross that they would know that you love them. So if you're here this afternoon, you say, Pastor Raymond, I, I actually grew up in church, but I fell away. Something happened. Or you say, I went to church and I, I sought after God, but it was weird. You say, Pastor Raymond, I've never accepted the Lord. I've never heard about Jesus. I've been far from God. Whatever situation you're in, you say, Pastor, I know I need to come home today. I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to enter the most wonderful relationship I've ever experienced. He'll heal your heart. He'll touch your mind. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. All you got to do is take a step of faith and trust him for your life. Trust him for your salvation. Trust him for your eternity. So if you hear say, Pastor Raymond, today is my day. I want to surrender to Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray for you. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, sister. I see you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Amen. I'm going to pray in just a second. Anyone else want to surrender right now to Jesus Christ? He's knocking on your door. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Amen. God bless you, brother. Amen. Hands up all over this place. God bless you. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. I understand that you love me and you have a plan for my life. Right now, this moment, I confess with my mouth, I comprehend you died on a cross for me. You was buried and you rose from the dead. You went to prepare a place for me and you're coming back to get me and bring me home. From this day forward, guide me, lead me, show me how you want me to live. And Lord, send the Holy Ghost 
to empower me to follow after you. Mold me and shape me. Teach me how to pray and give me a hunger and a comprehension for your word. I belong to you. I'm yours. Here am I. Use me, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, before Pastor Gus comes in, because we're going to show you what that looks like in a moment, what it means to be surrendered and yielded to Jesus Christ, what it means to take the next step for God. Before you go, if there's someone here, we're going to just do it. Someone here say, man, Pastor Raymond, I got this weird thought. I got this weird dream. I had a weird, I got these weird thoughts that God has something special for me. That, that God did not bring me out of where he brought me out of just to Sunday Christianity. That God shed his blood at Calvary. He went out and got me out of where he got me from. And I know that I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life. Something special, something different, something more. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Just stand to your feet. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Hallelujah. Father God, I stand here with my brothers and sisters. And we are humbled. First, that you would send your son Jesus to die on a cross for us. I don't know if I would die for, for me, oh God, or for send my son to die for anyone, oh God. But that you loved us in a way that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for us. It's incredible, oh God, your love. And so we understand that you love us and you brought us out and you made a way when there was no way. And today we stand and say, use our lives for your glory and honor. If you can use anything, oh God, you can use us, oh God. We know that we were not a people, but today you're rising us up to serve you. And you're raising up an army of warriors that are going to go out and proclaim the good news. And I pray an anointing from on heaven and on high, an anointing fire in our bones, oh God, that you would move in our hearts, you would impregnate us right now, that a woman here would have a burden for prostitutes, oh God, that a man that's been in prison would have a burden for prison ministry, oh God. That a broken mother would, would have a ministry, oh God, and burden her, impregnate her with a vision to minister to women, oh God. And on and on and on, have your way in this place. Father, help us to serve you in a way that we never imagined possible. Like you've used Pastor Pedro and you use Pastor Eden and Pastor Gus, oh God. Like you use Isaiah, Peter, David, and Daniel. Use us, oh God. So everybody repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Send me. I'll go. Empower me. Lead me. Have your way. Help me to do my part. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your grace. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Amen. God bless you. We're going to transition right now. As a result of hearing messages like this, at this church, we have two people who said, I, I want to serve God. I want to follow the Lord. I want to go to the next level. And they are doing something today to prepare themselves, to position themselves, to be used by God. They want all of God's blessings. They want all of God's power in their lives. And Pastor Gus is going to.
presume of a, a beautiful wedding of a wonderful couple. Amen? God bless you.